And I asked Lionel at the time, hey, Leo, when, when did you make a, really a decision? And he told me, he goes, no, really, Jorge, when you, know, you and I were together in you know, late September, early October last year, I was really geared towards going to Miami. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, oh, my God, I could have, like, say, like nine months of tremendous heartache and loss of years of my life, et cetera. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny. But, but, but as we move forward and we You'd were— You'd be 10 we years were, younger right now, Jorge. Jesus Christ. But listen, when we were— and then, Hello, everybody. We're doing it. Yes, we are. We're going to talk to Jorge in a little bit. But first off, hi, I'm Taylor Twombly, former MLS MVP, former U.S. international. I played for the U.S. men's national team 30 times, scored six goals. Nobody remembers that because it was back in the Stone Ages. But I've been in the media world now for over 13 years. And what's crazy about this is if you asked player Taylor Twombly, what are you going to do when you're done playing? If I listed out everything... Media would not have been on there, ever. I hated the media. I was the bold Durham as a player. And ironically, I am 180 degrees different than bold Durham in the media. I want honesty. I want transparency. I want energy. I want everything that Taylor Twelman as a player never gave. But now I get to do a podcast. So I made a massive decision in late December of 2022. I left ESPN. And it was the greatest 13 years of my media life because they taught me a ton. They critiqued me. They analyzed me. They pushed me. I got to meet some of the greatest in their crafts, both on and off the camera. And I had a massive decision. Do I stay at ESPN? Do I leave soccer? Or do I stay in the world of soccer? That decision was difficult because I had worked so hard to get soccer into the mainstream media with the likes of Mike Tirico and Scott Van Pelt and Colin Cowherd and Michelle Beadle and all of these other people that have crossed the paths of this loud American former soccer player in the media world that loves all sports, but his true passion is soccer. And Major League Soccer came to me about their project with Apple. It was very, very difficult to not listen, but also get excited. And so that's where I'm at. I've been six months into this project with Major League Soccer and Apple. It hasn't been easy, but I'm telling you right now, it has been one of the most rewarding aspects of my life because we are building something from the ground up. Now, what are we building? Part of that is this podcast. Now, I have absolutely no idea today what the podcast is going to be six months from now, but I do know one thing. The podcast is going to be me and you using the sport of soccer to talk through things in Major League Soccer, U.S. national team, both men and women, the American internationals playing in Europe. But we're going to talk through things. We're going to have an absolute ton of fun because now for the first time in my life, I don't have to do something in 140 characters. I don't have to do something in 20 seconds before a commercial break. We can just talk. And you can yell at me, you can scream at me, but we can socially discourse about the sport of soccer, but more importantly, about other things in life. And so that is exactly what Offside with me, Taylor Twelman, is going to be about. In the first episode, we're going to get right into it. Part of this podcast is therapy for all of you to just tell me exactly how you feel 
on some of my thoughts. Now, to represent you people, my producer Peter does that very well off camera, but now he's got a mic in front of him. Peter, I want to introduce you. Obviously, we heard you a little bit in the trailer, but you're going to be here now to just represent the majority of the people that just want to say, Taylor, do you have any idea what you're doing? Yeah, that's going to be the best quality that I have, is making sure that we're holding you accountable to every last word you say. Good luck with that, by the way, Peter. Thank you. Let's get into it. I mean, we got to talk about Messi, right? Just initially, what was your thought when you saw Messi come onto the field in a pink jersey wearing number 10? I was surprised how overwhelmed I was with the energy of seeing Messi on the field. And the thing that I noticed that he did more than anyone was after his incredible goal, it was the first time I've ever heard mm. you not talk. Yep. I, could, yep. I couldn't believe it. And Peter, I'm telling you, your job as a broadcaster in the Mike Tirico's Bob Lee's were in my head from the moment that game kicked off. Because all I thought about is for the next 40 to 50 to 60 years, this goal when he scores is going to be replayed all over. For 90 seconds, I forgot I was broadcasting the game. I was completely overwhelmed with the moment, but there was a sense of satisfaction. And the reason why I say the word satisfaction is for all of us that have been in Major League Soccer, that have lived in the United States, we've all heard soccer's the sport of the future. And yet it's not the future. It's now. It's literally now. And Messi scores in the 94th minute to win the game, celebrating with his parents and his kids on the sideline and seeing the smile on the greatest player ever to play the game as if not only he's still here to be competitive, but he was happy to see David Beckham crying, hugging Victoria Beckham for all the struggles that it's been to get Miami off the schneid as a franchise, to then go through COVID, to then go through this part. Peter, for 90 seconds, I forgot that I was actually holding the mic. And then I stayed within the moment and said, Nobody at home cares what I think right now because the pictures are telling the million different stories that we're going to hear about for years to come. Before the game, what was the vibe at the stadium? Pulling up to the stadium six and a half hours before kickoff because of security, there was a buzz, a real buzz. The buzz of, does he start? A buzz of, does he even play? A buzz that, is this really happening? And then all of a sudden, you're 20 minutes before showtime, an hour before kickoff. And I had to really have a personal moment of saying, we're here. But let's do this. Let's make sure that the global viewer understands exactly what they're getting into. And that was the most exciting time of my professional career. That's hard to say, Peter, because... When you call a U.S. World Cup game, knowing who you played for, but knowing you have to do it the right way for the viewers in the United States, but this was a global audience. They had 100 million views on Twitter and Instagram of one goal, one moment, pink jersey, number 10, Lionel Messi, and that was the world's introduction to the league and Messi in this marriage 
Peter, that's going to be very, very hard to outdo. I don't know how you outdo that. You've also been consistent in every interview that I've heard you do up to this point. You said, I'm not judging them until 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, the 2024 for the listeners at home, that's the soccer analyst in me, right? Because there are restrictions for Inter-Miami and trying to build this roster. And those restrictions are lifted on January 1st, 2024. That's when Chris Henderson, the Moss family, Tata Martino, along with Busquets, Jordi Alba, and Lionel Messi can put this thing together. Now, it's been given rocket fuel when you score a goal and you win your first game in a game that they easily should have lost, but their goalkeeper stood on his head and kept them into it. But you talk about this rock star type of feeling. When there is a picture floating around on the internet, Lionel Messi coming into the game, tying his shoes, and in the background is LeBron James, Serena Williams, David Beckham, Kim Kardashian, everybody holding a cell phone, trying to capture the moment. Lionel Messi transcends all of those athletes I just mentioned combined because the sport in the world is football. It is soccer. And so for LeBron James to look like a 10-year-old kid at a sporting event, hugging Lionel Messi as he gets ready to sit on the bench because he's not starting the game, that says it all. I can sit here on the podcast and tell everyone what the moment is, what it's like to be a soccer player. You guys don't need me to do that. You saw it. But what you didn't see is the seven days leading up to that that I was part of because I've never been part of a quote-unquote unveiling. Now, this is something that happens around the world where you sign a new player, that player comes into the stadium. We saw it with Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players ever, and I think one of the best sound bites ever when he was pulling up to the Bernabeu for Real Madrid. He said to people with the camera on him, is there a game tonight? It was 80,000 people to see his unveiling. So this was a new thing for me. Sunday, I had to fly to Miami. I land in Miami, and I have no idea what to expect other than Messi and Inner Miami are going to be put onto the map because they are going to unveil Messi and Busquets. Now, for those of you at home that watch this on Apple TV, obviously you saw that we needed to build Noah's Ark with the amount of rain that we got in 24 minutes leading up to this unveiling slash broadcast, but it didn't matter. Messi held up a pink Adidas inner Miami jersey with number 10 on it with the entire family there, and then it hit me. And I immediately called my dad and I said, Pops, I don't have to listen about Pelé in 1975 anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're living it. I mean, it feels like in some way, defining success for everybody is important because in sports you win, you lose, or you draw, depending on where you are. It's very binary, but it doesn't feel like success in this case for all the different stakeholders is as black and white as that. But it did feel for a moment on Friday, just like a win for everybody involved. Everybody felt aligned in victory. And I think that was from a business standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from a soccer standpoint, it all just felt aligned in victory, which was 
pretty cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Listen, success is going to be determined whether or not Messi holds that trophy, a trophy, however many trophies he can get during his two and a half years. David Beckham's on the record of saying that. Now, Beckham needed time to win. He had more time than Messi. Messi's probably going to have two and a half to three years, but he's also won 43 trophies in his professional career. And so the way this works for Jorge Mas and his family, they have said it and they're on the record. They're saying he's got to win. They want to go into Freedom Park with Messi winning in Inter-Miami being the most talked about franchise club in this league and in this continent. And with League's Cup, You've got Copa America in 2024. You've got the FIFA Club World Cup in 2025. And then the World Cup in 2026. For the next three summers, the runway and the entire world's eyeballs and attention for almost eight weeks is going to be on the United States of America. And the face of that now is messy. Great. Well, enough for me. Let's get to your interview with Inter-Miami owner Jorge Mas. As promised, there's nobody better to talk about what happened Friday night, but what's happened over the last three and a half years. Enter Miami's owner, Jorge Mas. Jorge, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Where were you when he took that free kick and it hit the back of the net? Actually standing in, in our suite. I couldn't sit. You know, the, the seconds before that shot, so many emotions ran through me. It was, could this be real? You know, he got fouled. He's 20 meters out. At the death, 94th minute, I mean, could it really be? And there was a part of my mind and my spirit that sort of said, no, 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 it's too good to be true. This this is too storybook. So it was, I think, with the same anticipation, emotion, that 20,000 plus in the stadium, and I would think millions of others around the world, mm-hmm. when that kick actually went in, like, it was complete disbelief. It was elation, joy. It was, for me, sort of more than the three and a half years of bringing Messi here. My mind went to the start of this whole journey of establishing Inter-Miami and all of the obstacles we've had and COVID and, you know, two years playing without fans and, you know, man, everything was, you know, everything came to a culmination that night where it was like just pure, unadulterated joy when I turned around and saw my wife and my daughter and my other kids and David and my brother and everybody in the in the suite and I looked up in the stands and you know young kids crying and everybody jumping up and down it was it was it was a moment of pure elation and and I'll never forget it I don't think anyone else is going to forget it but I think you said something that very few listeners would fully understand Because they're only seeing it now, the amount of work that you've had to put in to get Inter-Miami off the ground, and you get through a pandemic, then you go through some penalties and trying to build this roster to now, right now, you are talking to me with Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Tata Martino. I mean, at what point did you did you ever waver and think we're like, uh oh, I don't know if this is going to happen? No, I've always believed from from day one. You know, you you and I've known each other, Taylor, for from the beginning on, on this journey. I mean, you know, I come from a background. My father and my mother came to this country with nothing but a dream of just a better future for their kids. My parents got here from Cuba in 1962 uh, with really nothing. They didn't even speak English. You know really with just a desire of going back to their homeland, which would one day be free. So, you know, I always looked at my family's history and story as a personification of the American dream, which was built on that. It was built on dreams. It was built on hard work, sacrifice, 
strap up your boots, mm-hmm. work hard. And mm-hmm. if you live your life the right way, if you push hard, anything and everything is possible. When the journey of Inner Miami really started in 2018, when you know I met with David, we had a meeting of the minds, we've become super close friends besides business partners. I think we shared a vision for trying to do something transformational and different. I saw the huge potential that football or soccer had in this country. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge sports fan. And I know my city and my community. I was born in Miami. You know, Miami is a very unique, you know, mix. It's a cultural mosaic. You know, many people call it the capital of the Americas or Latin America. And, you know, when we started, it was a blank canvas. You know, hey, you guys go, you you have a franchise. Well, what do we do? No existing history, no staff, nothing. It was it was from nothing. I remember (laughs) we had a small conference room in our family business. And that's where we started the franchise from when. When, when then the challenges were, where are we playing? When are we kicking off? You know, building a start, doing all of the things that you had to do. And I think that we got off to a super strong start in, in those first six to 12 months of planning and what we were doing and the colors and the logo and the branding. And then as we were started to prepare, you know, build a stadium, build a training center, start scouting youth, all of the things that entail going into a team and, and all rushed. You know, we were trying to find where are we going to play or, you know, we we're going to kick mm-hmm. off in March of, of 2020. And then a few days before our opener in 2020, COVID hits. Taylor, every single plan that we had from roster, from our, our, our fans, our ticket rollouts, marketing, everything was put on, on halt. You know, we were at that time, and listen, it's been no secret, you know, we're going to sign Edison Cavani. Yeah. Frankly, we're going to sign Sebastian Drusi. You know, we're going to sign a kid called Agustin Almendra from Boca. I mean, there was yep. a whole plan of what we were going to build. And at that moment, just stopped. And remembering, because, you know, we tend to forget just as humans, I think we all tend to look forward, which is a, which is a positive trait. At the time, the world stopped. Yep. We were, are we even going to play this year? You know, what happens to our team and our sport, you know, financially? So it was so much uncertainty around those first two or three months before, you know, we went in the bubble and, and play resumed. And But it was, I, I'm not going to lie, it was super challenging in every aspect. You know, and and with ourselves and David, you know, we made a huge financial commitment. You know, th- those years were rough, man. They're they're tough, and not only for us at Inter Miami, for every team in the league, every sports franchise, you know, because we generate the majority of our revenue with local revenue, which would be you know ticketing and season ticket sales, and we played with no fans for practically a year and a half. Those were huge challenges for us. But listen, we always stayed the course. We continued believing because David and I and my brother always believed we're going to bring the best players in the world to play here in Miami. And many people looked at me, oh, my God, Major League Soccer, if it has a stigma or not, is it a lesser league? Is it this? Look, I look at this very simply. This is the largest commercial market in the world. We are a nation and a country that when we put our mind to things, we're second to none. There is no reason why a handful of leagues around the world Mm -hmm. are either in reality or perception larger than Major League Soccer. And I think one of the things that we need to do is you need great players. People follow great players, personalities, characters, et cetera. And we aim from the beginning to try to bring Lionel Messi here to Miami. It's a journey that started with a visit. You know, I I picked up David in London. We flew to Barcelona, almost in, you know, cloak and dagger type things. And we were snuck into a hotel through a service elevator. Met in a suite there with with Jorge Messi, with with Lionel's father, and really to pitch him our vision of Inter Miami. Talk to him about our city. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge ambassador for for Miami, but more importantly about the, the shaping of soccer in this country, and 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 not where it is, but where it will be, where it can be with Lionel. 
you know, so it's been a long journey of negotiating with Messi. But the moment when Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets and Joseph Martinez, for that matter, stepped on the pitch mm-hmm. in the second half of that game, it's really real, right? It was because I've, I've had moments like that in the last four weeks of, God, this is, he's here. This is really real. It's going to happen. And it was an amazing evening. And when that free kick went in, it was like, Jesus, it's, I, I swear to God, I said it was divine providence, you know? I mean, the script and was written straight from Hollywood, I, Jorge. Yes. I mean, the script was literally I, written from Hollywood. I think if you write that script in Hollywood, it'd be too good. They'd say, <laughs> nah, not believable. <laughs> but but honestly, Jorge, I think you need to put us into that mindset because you've put in so much hard work in that to get to that point. And yet, I'm just curious, Friday night, he takes the free kick, upper 90 all the elation and celebration or the day in the moment you got the phone call and said, Messi's coming. How do they compare to each other or are they mutually exclusive in your mind? They're different. So, you know, last, last summer is when I really believe that, you know, we had been look, two years talking, you know, we've had meetings in Madrid and Barcelona at that time. It's one of the Rosario Argentina ones. And it was good. It was, you know, it was good. There was a good feeling these are the type of elements. Good. But last summer, I, I just said, you know, listen, we got to put a full court press on this because mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things wasn't if Lionel Messi's coming to Miami. I always knew Lionel Messi was coming to Miami. I had a 1000% belief. But most people never believed that Lionel Messi would come to Miami in 2023. Yeah. A lot of people said, oh, yes, it's going to be, you know, Messi's last call. He'll end up here in 24, 25, so on and so on. So when the Argentinian national team came to our facility in late September of last year to train, it was their last training in that window before they went to Doha. They were here for a week. And I had an opportunity. I was at the facility every day. And I had an opportunity to talk to Lionel extensively. I asked him, what, what, are, you, what are your aspirations? What are your dreams? Right? Like, what, what do you want? Put aside at that point in time, his dream was a World Cup trophy. Of and course. the importance that that had to him. And then we talked a lot about family. We talked a lot about what South Florida could represent for him. Because remembering, I'm looking at it in an aspect is, listen, we're competing for the best player in the world with the powerhouses of global soccer Mm -hmm. and with endless money that we cannot compete with. So I had to try to find what makes Lionel Messi tick. What can Mm -hmm. we offer that someone else can't? And I think looking back now and actually in conversations with him more recently when this is all done and you're much more, you know, in a relaxed atmosphere, it was when does an athlete in any sport have really the opportunity to change the sport? And in this country, Lionel Messi has the opportunity to change the sport. Mm -hmm. If he would have stayed at PSG, wasn't going to change the sport. If he returned to Barcelona, either. And going to Saudi wasn't going to change the sport there. So I think that that was an extremely compelling reason for Lionel Messi to make a decision to come play in Major League Soccer and at Inter-Miami. Aside from that, it was also an opportunity for us to showcase, listen, commercial opportunities are important. You know, the windows of athletes' lives have X time. And I always talk to him about a legacy. I said, Lionel, you have an opportunity, much like Michael Jordan, much like figures in time when Muhammad Ali, a name that you could recognize in every corner of the world, David Beckham yep. and others that in your post career, right, you, you can not only maintain relevancy, but make a difference in the things that matter to you. And I think that was super compelling. And I think what we've been able to build 
around what our offer to Lionel Messi was specifically. And it was funny because this last Saturday we had a we had a beautiful lunch with the whole Messi family and the Masses and the Beckhams. And I asked Lionel at the time, hey, Leo, when, you know, like when, when did you make it really a decision? And he told me, he goes, no, really, Jorge, when, you know, you and I were together in, you know, late September, early October last year, you know, I was I was really geared towards go- going to Miami. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, oh, my God, I could have, like, saved, like, nine months of tremendous heartache and lots of years <laughs> of my life, et cetera. I thought, I thought that was funny. But 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 as we move forward and we You'd were— You'd be 10 we years were, younger right now, Jorge. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it was— um, but, but listen, when we were—and then, and then I had an opportunity and I traveled to the World Cup. I attended every uh, Argentina game. I had, frankly, the blessing of being able to sit with the family during the World Cup final, which for me, as uh, I thought, I was a, a, a mm, that's a for any list. fan. It was a super cool experience for a multitude of reasons, and you know, Argentina's up two zero, two two, and then one of the most epic games, or maybe the most epic game that I've 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 ever watched. But you know, after that, you know, all the media, oh, he's resigning with PSG, agreement done two more years, et cetera. And everyone around me was like, oh my God, you know, what's going on, et cetera. And they, everybody relaxed, you know, everybody relaxed. We're good, right? You know, th- there's realities and, and and we have to stay through it. We have to stay consistent. And one of the things, Taylor, I think that was very important was we stayed very quiet. Yes, you did. So I stayed away from doing interviews because I was always get a messy question. I never, ever, since the summer of last year until recently, ever talked about Lionel Messi, said anything about Lionel Messi, didn't speak about it because I wanted to give them the space and respect. You know, is he going to back to Barcelona? PSG making him offers, the Saudi offers for for up team dollars. Mm-hmm. By the way, all of those true, right? Those were those were all real. Oh, those were real and options. Those were real offers. A thousand a thousand percent. And look, Lionel Messi could have gone anywhere in the world, right? That what team would not want mm-hmm. Lionel Messi or or what league? And in knowing that, we had to be methodical, tactical, right? Like, how do we make sure that we push the, the envelope? And, you know, I was dealing directly with Jorge Messi almost on a, on a weekly basis. You know, I flew again back to Rosario at the end of January, early February. I was pushing really hard. It was important also, and I don't want people to underestimate, we have, we made a very, very, I think, difficult decision, but important decision late last year with our roster at Inter-Miami. Mm-hmm. So in order for us to be able to bring not only Lionel Messi, but surround Lionel Messi with the pieces necessary for him to thrive and succeed, right? We had to make sacrifices because I had yep. always thought that one of the key elements and key players that we needed to bring was Sergio Busquets. Yes. So we've been speaking with Sergio for for over, over a year, a little bit over a year now. And had the opportunity to talk extensively to Sergio last summer when Barcelona came to play Inter Miami in their in the, in the friendly that we had last summer, because I thought and in watching Sergio Busquets and knowing him as a person and what he represents, and I think we just saw snippets of it in the forty minutes that he played on Friday. Yep, his vision, his passing is it's beyond world class. I mean, he made he made, he made just in a limited amount of minutes his his link up with with Messi. You know, and it, it was amazing when we're bringing Jordi Alba right down to bomb down the left. We're signing young prospects, right? Some of the three best Argentinian and one is a Paraguayan prospects in South America. You know, we're truly building a team. In order to do that, we had to make a sacrifice, you know, because our performance during the course of the first, you know, three months of the season or this half mm-hmm. season we're in hasn't been up to par. 
that hasn't been up to par. One, because we were building a roster that we knew we had to leave space to bring these players. Secondly, we've been decimated by injuries, decimated by injuries, like like our top four players have, have yeah. been out. So, you know, it was sort of, listen, stay the course, batten down. You know, we were tempted in the first original window to make some moves. Don't do them. Let's stay disciplined. Messi will happen. And people looked at me and go, hold on, man, it's a, it's a big risk if he doesn't come, right? And, and, and we have to win. So I think when you'll see by the end of, of this window that we're going to have, you know, done, I think, Everything that we've wanted to accomplish, we'll be able to accomplish this window. The winter window will be another one next because I think I I, I think our team can can still make a very very important and significant run. You know, we're underwater, but you know we got to try to get to the surface so we can swim. I think that's the most important part of this conversation, though, Jorge. Is you and I have gotten to know each other through this entire process, and I've said this on air with a camera on me and off air. The amount of perseverance you showed. But I think you resonated with the Messi family, one, by being quiet, two, by talking about your family. I know how important family is to you. We all know how important family is to Messi. The picture that will resonate with me till the day I die is after he scored that goal, running over to his suite, hugging his kids, hugging his family. That is exactly how Jorge Mas and his family pulled off what I've said, Jorge, the greatest heist in sports history. But for you, I know how difficult this has been. And I know how some people in our business have said it was a risky, gutsy move. There was no downtown commitment for a stadium. There was no commitment from Messi. It's been four plus years of grinding. But Jorge, can you give us context professionally what this move for Inter Miami and Messi has meant for you in your life, more so than about what it means being the owner of Inter Miami. You know, up to this point in, in my life, my biggest pride and my biggest reward is my family. It's my kids, it's my wife, it's my relationship with my mom and my brothers. I'm super blessed. Our day job, as sometimes I call it, you know, we're blessed to, I'm blessed to man a, a family business called Mastec. We're a, a Fortune 400 company. We're on the New York Stock Exchange. You know, that has given me immense rewards as well and personal satisfaction because for some Cuban kids from Miami to yep. have been able to ring the yep. opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange twice is is enormously proud. But listen, th this is beyond this. The attention that this has, you know, listen, it's, it's no lie. You know, being being an owner of, of a sports team and, you know, it, it's, it's rare. You know, there, there's only a small group of us. And the attention that this gets, everything is magnified. And I look at my whole life as having prepared me for these moments, for these challenges. You know, I mentioned to you once, I said, look, I mean, I went into an alley with global powerhouses yep. with no weapons and yep. I came out standing. Yep. Yes, and, you did. And that is exactly how I felt during all this. So when people were doubting, People were looking at me, you know, sort of patting me on the shoulder like, ah, yeah, yeah, right, right. And listen, this is all across the board. This is people in, in the highest echelons of football all over the world who I've developed relationships with. My coaches in the league and my partners were like, you know, yes. sort of like the, the yeah, right, you know, like, because I, I could imagine if, if they were telling me this, I'd go, man, man, poor guy, you know, like, okay. It'd be like, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right. You know, it was, but I think it prepared me for this because the one element, and I tell everyone, I drowned out the noise, drown it yes, out. Yes, you did. Ignore the media, ignore the press, ignore it, right? And and listen, the one the one 
thing that worried me, and I because I have worries, I'm not gonna lie, I have worries, was Barcelona, and I'll be very blunt and very yep. honest, and Bar- Barcelona, yep. right? Because it was sentimental in nature. It was Leo want wants once, not wanted once to close out his chapter at Barcelona the right way, because what happened to mm-hmm. him there two plus years ago didn't happen the right way. Shouldn't have never happened to a a, a person and a player of that caliber. Okay. How it happened, and that worried me. I happened to be part of La Liga. I'm the president of a second division Spanish team, but in in that league, second and first division all sit at the table of La Liga. I knew the difficulties mm-hmm. that Barcelona was going to have in re-signing or bringing back Lionel Messi. It was virtually impossible because it would have taken them dismantling an amazing team that had just won La Liga. Mm-hmm. And and so I knew at that point that, that you know, I was working with Sergio Busquets at the time. He wasn't re-signing. They had made him an extension offer. By the way, Sergio Busquets coming to this league, he had yeah. much more money from Barcelona where he could have extended significantly more money from offers from Saudi and significantly all in capital letters. So the fact that he's here also for family reasons, also for other reasons, the fact Jordi Alba's coming here and that Leo are coming here, you know, they're coming here because it matters to them. And the one thing that I have said, and I will continuously said, you know, all the naysayers of the league, oh, this is a retirement league. People come to end their careers here. Mm -hmm. I couldn't disagree more because we're going to get the great Messi, the great Busquets and the great Alba. I mean, Lionel Messi is a competitive beast. What I've seen in the last week, just in small little details and examples of things that he's done with his teammates at the training center is, is amazing. I, my, you know, you have high expectations, but mine so far in this very short time period of interacting with him, I've been blown away. Jorge, to that point though, what are your levels of expectation? Because I'm being asked and it's ridiculous for me to answer this question. I'm on the record of saying, I won't even judge this until 2024 when you have your full roster. But how do you define success? How, how, how does Lionel Messi define success? To me, I think knowing you and reading Messi from afar, the only way you define success here is winning this, don't you? And I'm not saying now, but I'm saying in the two and a half, three years, there's no reason for me not to believe you'll judge this by trophies in your cabinet, or am I misreading the the opportunity here? I'll, I'll bifurcate that. One, what is okay. success? My definition is we've succeeded. Having Lionel Messi, Busquets, Alba, and bringing unprecedented opportunities to all of the teams in the league, the attention to our sport, the amount of viewers we're having. Friday night, I think, is just an encapsulation of the enormous potential that we have and the hundreds of millions of views that that goal has gotten all, all over the world. Expectations is something else. And you know okay. me, I have super high expectations, but we have three opportunities short term. We have Leagues Cup, which we're in now. We're in a U.S. Open Cup semifinal, which is August 23rd. So we're two games away from lifting a trophy and qualifying for Champions League. And even though it's an uphill battle, we have an opportunity of getting into the playoffs. We just have to get in. So I think what are our expectations? Look, I think we'll compete in Leagues Cup. We'll go as far as our players take us. U.S. Open Cup, very real. Listen, if we win the semifinal, we're playing a final. And the priority for us is to try to find a way to qualify for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And yep. listen, we're if we, we're going to have to go on a run of winning four or five straight and then, then competing in the MLS. Yeah. We'll get into the playoffs, and hopefully we'll be a very competitive team and hopefully a much better team in October and November than we are today. Agreed. So if we focus on a playoff run, my hope is this. Look, that Tata has a starting 11, that he's got depth. I've always said, look, 
the key to success in this league is from your starting 11. When your sub comes in, what's the drop off? Agreed. Right? Is it a Agreed. 10% or is it a 50%? And as soon as you can compress that to a small drop off, you know, you're winning it, trophies. We can compete. We can, we're winning trophies. So, look, those are our expectations. They're always high, they're always driven. We want to win. But again, you know, patience. We can't go crazy. We're taking all yeah. the right steps. We stay disciplined. There's going to be movement in our roster. It's inevitable because in order to make room for these players, we will. Um, yep. But but we've been preparing for this for, for a very long time. You have, and you've dreamt about it, which is part of the reason why you deserve a, a ton of recognition for this. I had two questions. How do you help Lionel close that chapter at Barcelona? Is that even possible that you can help him do that? Um, this is this is my personal opinion, and I'm speculating. Yes. So I want to caveat that. I do think I do think Lionel Messi, and I don't know if it's some type of friendly, a farewell game. They have this yep. Gamper Trophy they play in the summer, but there will be something where I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Lionel Messi, hopefully, when the new Camp Nou is open, because their stadium there will not be playing at for the next year and a half. Hopefully, Lionel Messi can say his proper goodbye. That does not entail playing for Barcelona. He's not going to go on loan there. That's not going to no, happen. No, but for a lot you of as a that. person, Jorge, yes, for you yes, as a person, deserves, I know how he, important that is to you. Yes, he deserves his correct goodbye there. Yes, and I will do everything in my power in order to facilitate and, and help him do that because he's deserving of that. Yep. Now, the second one and final one for you is this, and, it, and, and I think it's the easiest way to put it, is, Jorge, we've talked a lot about Messi changing the landscape of soccer. That is such a difficult question to answer. But how will he do that? And in my opinion, how much of the conversation should be around Jorge Mas and his family allowing Lionel Messi to do so? Well, listen, for, first of all, you know, changing the landscape of soccer here is going to be Lionel Messi with his performance on the pitch, with who he is. He, he just needs to do what Lionel Messi does. The amount of outreach that I've had over the Friday, listen, that 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 Friday night goal that's been played. Oh my lord! And I've heard billion billions of times, whatever that means in the social media world. Yeah. And and you'd almost have to be under a rock to not know that Messi scored a goal in Miami. You may not you may not know any details, but you know he scored a goal in Miami. Now the role of my family in bringing Lionel Messi here is, you know, it's look we're a backseat to this. We were facilitators. We did what we did, so we'll continue doing that. You know, I, we, yeah, you know, we don't do this for publicity. We don't do this for those reasons. We do it because it's the right thing. We're driven. Listen, for me, legacy is super important. And I think that if we can somehow have assisted and helped in changing the sport in America and that our fingerprints are somehow on a very small piece of having made that happen, I give thanks to my late dad and everyone who's been around me. It's been a team effort to do this. You know, because no one does this alone, and so I'm I'm just happy and blessed to be able to have put in a position to bring me and Messi here, to bring it over the line, to actually make it a reality and happen. And now, I think it's incumbent upon all of us and all of us who are fans of this sport to just enjoy. And and another message, man, buckle up! It's going to be a hell of a ride the next three years. <laughs> it's going to be a <laughs> hell of a ride, and I'm going to be in the trunk of your van riding along the ride. Uh, Jorge, it's nah, been, you'll be in the passenger. Thank you seat, for my taking. Friend. You'll be in the, I'll passenger be in the passenger seat, seat yeah. sitting on your lap. <laughs> 
Jorge, I appreciate you taking the Thank time you. today, but I've said this to your face and I'm going to say it to the listeners. Jorge Moss is a man that will shake your hand, look you in the eye, tell you exactly what he's going to do. He's going to do it. And whether you believe him or not, he's going to then shake your hand and tell you, I told you so. Jorge, I am so glad you told me three weeks ago, I told you so. Thank you, my friend. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'll say this, and I'll end this podcast with this. The last two weeks is a story that I'm going to tell my grandkids about. And when we talk about all the experiences in my life, and it's I've lived a fun-filled, jam-packed life, and I'm only 43 years old, but I don't know if I really understood the magnitude of what a Lionel Messi can do to life. One person, one person has literally flipped the world upside down in the sport of soccer in the United States, and quite honestly, the sports world in the United States. Because over the last 48 hours, all of my friends in the sports media world, that's all they're talking about. And the NFL preseason just began. That's never been the case here. So for me, having the ability to give you access, to give you the behind the scenes, I love this. I love everything about it. That's what we're gonna try to do with this podcast. We're gonna have fun. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to get deep into the weeds of certain things to try to give you guys the access that I've been privileged to have over the last 13, 14 years in media, eight as a player. So Jorge did a fantastic job of really diving into that. It's been a blast. So that's exactly where we are. Offside with Taylor Twelman every Thursday. You're going to get it. You're going to get it right here. And we're going to have some fun. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John and Michael Gino are our editors. Jonah Buchanan and Ignacio Manda were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker. And I'm your host, Taylor Twelman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts.